0: Hey ninjas and ninjats and welcome to another episode of the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Tim Cameron Kitchen, best-selling digital marketing author and head ninja at Exposure Ninja. This show is all about helping you to generate more leads and sales from the internet. And today I'm very happy to be joined by William Adowasi, who runs Vite London. You can find him online at vitae and it's their handle on all the different social networks. Now, William's built something quite incredible. He's built a luxury brand, a watch brand, with a cause and his cause is um, supporting children through education in sub-Saharan Africa. And he's built this using influencer marketing at an amazing scale. And he's done all of this himself as well. So we brought him onto the show to talk about how he's got his watches into the hands of people like Richard Branson, Emily Sande, and what he's been doing with influence marketing on social media to make sure that Vite has as much reach as possible. Fascinating story, incredible guy with a lot of drive and a brilliant cause behind it all as well. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode. Also, while you're there, if you need some help with your digital marketing, you wanna grow and increase the leads and sales that your website is generating for you, then don't forget to head over to our website, ExposureNinja.com, where you can request a free marketing review. In this review, we'll spend some time going through your website, having a look at your digital marketing, and suggesting ways that you can increase the traffic to your site and also the conversions that it's generating for you. So one of our marketing specialists will take around about 20 to 30 minutes going through all of your digital marketing, finding out what you're doing well, or what maybe there's some room for improvement with, and also looking at what your competitors are doing. They'll then put together a customized plan that you can follow to increase your leads and sales online. It's fantastic. And if you head over to Exposure Ninja on Facebook, you'll see hundreds of reviews from people who absolutely love the service. Anyway, without further ado, enjoy the show with William Adowasi from Vitae London. William, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Perhaps for those who aren't familiar with Vitae, you could just give us a bit of an intro into what the business is all about.
1: Vitae is actually Latin for life and our whole mantra is to be the fashion brand changing lives. So with each watch we sell, we actually help support a childhood education in sub-Saharan Africa.
0: And how did you find that cause? It's an interesting one because
1: first and foremost, my dad is the first in my family line to learn to read and write. So he he's from a village in, in Ghana in West Africa. Kind of seeing how his life story and how education broke cycles of poverty for him really inspired me to want to do that for more people. And my wife had visited the particular charity that we support about five years ago. And we'd been supporting them on a personal level with just earnings from our jobs. Um, And I was just looking at ways in which we could scale that up and support them in a more sustainable way. Um, And that's how Vite was birthed.
0: So what's the breakdown? You know, obviously you've got companies like Tom's where you buy a pair and then they donate a pair. How do you guys contribute to to the cause? Of course. So with each watch we sell, we provide a child with
1: three items of school uniform to see them through school for a year.
0: That's awesome. How does this cause and how does that kind of meaning behind the business impact how you feel because I guess this is not you're not just pushing the product that you love you're actually you're doing something much bigger right and it feels much bigger to you as well
1: yeah I guess if I'm honest the main thing it does is it gives me more of a drive so I was working in a city making really good money but for me I realized that money alone wasn't enough of a driving factor for me it didn't incentivize me enough to to get up every day and, and give my all. So the fact that I know every single time we sell a watch, we're literally helping to transform a child's life. Yeah, there's just no bigger drive for me.
0: And how much do you use that drive in your marketing? Like I, I think a lot of people no, a company like Tom's, for example, it's like primarily the thing that they know about a company like Tom's is the cause, and then the product is almost kind of incidental. I guess being a fashion brand, that can't, you know, the focus still needs to be on products. So, how how do you kind of balance that, and and where do you find the the, the most suitable balance for you?
1: Yeah, I, if I'm honest, I found it very difficult, especially in the early days, because I was very much focused on the cause from the beginning. Um, so we promote the cause heavily, but our products are actually really good quality. They look slick. The price points are obviously a lot more than Tom's shoes. So our watches range for between 150 to 250 pounds with our more, more expensive Swiss watches. So taking that into consideration, I then went through a phase where we were just promoting product, And then I just, under, I just more recently understood the mix. So combining the products. Also, not just the product and the cause, but also learning how to mix in the lifestyle element as well and showing people wearing the product within a particular lifestyle
0: too. So how do you, that that lifestyle piece is, is really interesting. Have you found your target audience based on people who are who are going to feel affinity for the cause or are you kind of just, you know, you're just selling luxury watches to, to that market and then if they're interested in the cause suite, like how does that impact your audience targeting?
1: Yeah, I guess what we found from doing kind of some analysis on the initial target audience that just bought into it was that it was a lot of people who were maybe working in the city or that were earning good money. But we're also passionate about different charities. We're also supporting different charities anyway. So, understanding those kind of people and knowing to them that a premium product is what the priority is for them, but it's actually an added benefit and bonus that we, we transform lives to is what was able, enabled us to be able to shape our marketing around that. So, we do lead more with the lifestyle and the product. The cause is also a very important element. Um, and it's like an added bonus that just tips them over the line.
0: Got it. Got it. So it's almost like a like a differentiator, a, a, a key benefit which your competitors don't have, I guess, in this market.
1: Exactly. So it's more of like a, a unique, yeah, a unique selling point, a USP that separates us and makes them want to buy our watch over a watch maybe with a similar price range and sort of similar design. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. And it's also worth saying the watches are absolutely beautiful as well. They look a million times more expensive than they are. It's a quality <laughs> product at a, a really good price, isn't it? Yes, it is. That's I guess like
1: what I've just seen is. So we predominantly sell online, um, and a lot of your high like your high street retailers that sell watches. I just feel like they're just so overpriced for what they are. Um, so being able to produce a really slick looking high quality watch at an affordable price point because we cut out the middleman by doing it online. And um, it's just proved to be something that struck really well with our, our target market.
0: So moving on to the marketing side then, what are your primary marketing channels? If I'm honest, we
1: we, use, we heavily use social media and, and via social media, we've been able to really tap into um, influencer marketing and celebrity marketing. Um, so that's been from the get-go, our main source. I started the business just with a bit of savings that I had. So we've never had a lot of money to be able to do um elaborate forms of marketing. Um, So I've always had to think out the box and be quite innovative with that. And we've just found celebrity and influencer marketing to work the best so far for
0: us. That's awesome. I want to ask you about social in a bit, but the influencer thing has been massive for you, hasn't it? Because... You've been on the radar of some pretty massive influences. Yeah, we we've been really fortunate.
1: So we've had people like Emily Sande, Richard Branson, Paloma Faith. The list is just the list just goes on really, and um, with the amazing people that have bought into what we do, support what we do and shared it. And I guess the most beautiful thing about all of that is that we haven't had to pay these people. So that obviously saves us so much in terms of overheads um, and just really enables us to spread the word far and
0: wide. Obviously, getting on the radar of someone like Richard Branson, who I think even he wrote a blog post about meeting you, didn't he? And put it on the front page of the Virgin website. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that that's actually what happened. That's what is, dude. Okay, so the question everyone's got is, I've got a product, maybe I've got like a, maybe I have a cause tied to the back of it. How do I get on Richard Branson's radar? Okay, so for me, it was, it was actually a bit of a long game that
1: took about 18 months. So within obviously the UK, there's different places you can receive startup loans from. And I specifically chose Virgin to receive my loan from them. So I think out of about 10,000 businesses, they chose 1,000 to receive the loan. And then out of the 1,000 businesses that received funding from them, they chose 12 standout entrepreneurs to become Virgin Startup Ambassadors. Um, so fortunately, I was chosen as one of the 12, um, which meant I got to go to Richard Branson's house last year. Unfortunately, not Necker Island, his house in Oxford. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I got to go to his house last year, which was obviously fantastic. And as well as that, I've been speaking at loads of different events on behalf of the Virgin group. So the most recent event was one where Richard Branson was on the panel with me. Um, I got to interview him and then I just got a bit ballsy halfway through the interview and just stood up and and told him about the brand and gave him a watch in front of a a live audience. (laughs) I knew he couldn't back down then. then. In turn, he brought out a wad of cash, put it in my hand and then gave me his watch. So... It was a pretty remarkable day for me.
0: Wow! 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 Okay. All right. So let's start at the beginning then. How do you <laughs> get? You mentioned the Virgin Startup Loans, yeah, and that you were one of the one of the few to be an ambassador. So, what was it about your business and you that really appealed to them?
1: I guess it was. Um, so we had to go through like an application form. Funnily enough, the time that they actually um, gave the opportunity to apply, they had. I was out in South Africa visiting some of the children we support. So I went to the top of a beautiful mountain and shot a really epic video out there where most people just shot it on their iPhones as a selfie, which is obviously totally fine. But I just went for a really high quality video production, sent it across to them. And I remember going to Richard Branson's house and all the Virgin team was just talking about how amazing my video was and how it really stood out. So I guess it was just going over and above where I could um, to really to really stand out to the Virgin group um, which has since enabled me to yeah be one of two people to be chosen on the panel with Sir, Sir Richard Branson um, and just open some really awesome doors.
0: That's mad. I mean, looking at when you were on top of that mountain about to put in the effort to make that video, like, what would you say to that, (laughs) to William at that stage? If, you know, were you ever thinking, um, I'm not sure whether I should do this. Like, this seems like a lot of effort for something. I could just quickly film something on my iPhone. Like I was thinking at first it would be so much easier
1: to just film it on my iPhone. It would be free of charge. Wouldn't have to pay this videographer. But I just knew that if I went over and above, it could open crazy doors. I didn't think one day I'd be sitting next to Richard Maranson on a panel and get a watch from him, etc. But I knew that it would It would still open doors nevertheless. Um, so especially as I've seen the benefit of influencer and celebrity marketing in the past from from day one, I just tried to really do, go above and beyond in, in areas and avenues where I can open doors for that.
0: And then obviously to be on the panel with him and to stand up and pitch him in front of the room, you've got a lot of, of confidence in the product and, and I guess some of that comes from the cause, right? Have you always had that kind of self-assuredness? I don't think so.
1: If, if I'm going to be like very vulnerable, the year before when I went to Richard Brant's house in Oxford, I had a watch with me then to give to him and there was so, much, like he had a whole entourage around him. We were obviously speaking in an open, in an open forum there were just specific times photos were being taken. So I was actually really nervous to bring the watch out and give it to him. So on that day, I, I ended up chickening out. And like for the whole year, I just regretted it. Like I was just so disappointed that I didn't take the risk. So like every other time I've met celebrities. So I met Philip Schofield randomly walking through a vineyard in South Africa. I met the rapid Big Sean in Nando's randomly in London. So because of that opportunity, first time that I missed with Richard Branson, ever since then, I've always just, just taken the risk and, and given the product straight out to celebrities when I've met them. So I think I, I really did learn from that failure and missing that, that first opportunity. So when this opportunity came around again, I just reframed my mindset to what's the worst that could happen? The Virgin team members could kick me out and be very disappointed in what I did, or Richard Brassett could receive a gift well and and promote it and put me on the front page of the Virgin website. So I just, yeah, I just kind of reframe my mind and that's given me so much more confidence.
0: That's awesome. And also amazing that not giving it to him the first time and that regret kind of actually triggered a behavior which is probably... You know, if you've—I guess—if you meet Big Sean or you meet Philip Schofield, and you automatically give right. them a watch because you've made that commitment to your head, actually, that original chickening out is, has turned out super, super powerful for you. Exactly. So yeah, it's been yeah, it's been phenomenal. So, do you have a stadium pitch like a or a, an elevator pitch that you use for these guys when you meet them? Like, all of a sudden, Philip Schofield's there. You've had no prep. Do you know what to say, or do you just start talking?
1: Yeah, it's similar to the pitch I probably said right at the start of this podcast, <laughs> where I, I, I have that verbatim every single time that I go over, which explains what we do. And the beauty now is that I can actually piggy bank off our past success to entice them into to wearing and sharing it. So once I've done the pitch about who we are, what we do, I can then open up to say one of the amazing things about our brand is that although I haven't had a lot of money to start this brand up, a lot of celebrities have really bought into it, like Richard Branson, Philip Schofield, et cetera. So if you'd be keen to share on social media, I would really love to give you a free product. And because there's a cause attached to Product looks great, nine times out of ten well ten times out of ten, they always just say yes and and share it. so so far it's just
0: been great does killer, so you're actually asking them for the share on social media as well. you're not just giving it to them yes, exactly because giving them they get freebies all the time, so giving
1: them the product alone doesn't give you anything in return. I guess you do get the benefit sometimes to take a picture of them wearing the product, which of course is great. But what I'm more passionate about from these celebrities is their audience. So that's why I'm really keen on ensuring that they do share it with their audience. And I feel like there's a scale of social media. So you've got Instagram, your Instagram post, which is going to be very difficult to get from a celebrity for them to do. But then there's Instagram stories, there's Twitter, which I feel is a lot more, it's a lot easier to get especially free of charge. So I often actually mention, hey, it may not be something you'd want to put straight on your Instagram post, but if you could share a tweet about us or put it on your stories, that would mean the world to me. And then that usually works really well. Good for you.
0: So Emily Sandé, Paloma Faith, how do you get on their radar? Did that come from Richard Branson or was that from you were meeting them in Nando's? So with Emily Sandé, it was a bit of a really, really funny
1: one. So my cousins... Friend dates Emily Sande's sister. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I pitched it really well to my cousin, who then informed his friend, and then they managed to orchestrate it so that I would be in the same house as them on the same evening while Emily Sande was around. So through that orchestration, I was able to just pitch it to her. Um, so it's, it's obviously hard to replicate um, circumstances like this, but in terms of what you can do proactively on social media, there's a lady called Ava DuVernay um, out in the States, a really, a really well-known director, really good friends with Oprah Winfrey. And I just tweeted her. I just, a series of events, I, I made it a bit warmer by constantly sharing stuff she would share on Twitter and in essence trying to make friends with her. So I was on her radar and she knew who I was. And then I think one day she randomly followed me back which obviously made me chuffed and over the moon. So from then, I dropped her a direct message, told her about it. She's got circa a million followers on Twitter. So later on down the year, when we were running a crowdfunding campaign, she actually shared our video and told all her fans about it. And we saw loads of orders from the States as a result. So there are many other ways to do it, which are actually practical as opposed to me just being extremely fluky.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you call it fluky, I call it super networking. <laughs> I do try, I do try. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So just digging into that Twitter strategy a bit more then, because that is mega. How did you identify that, was it Avo is, is, is someone who it would be good to, to, to get on their radar? Like, do you have a short list of people? What are your criteria?
1: Yeah, I guess... So first and foremost with Twitter, if you can try and get verified as soon as possible, there's actually a process with Twitter where you can apply now to, for, for verification. Um, and that's just so great because when you do tweet and interact with celebrities, etc., you just appear much higher on the rankings when they're looking through their tweets. And also when you have a verified account, you can actually only look, you can set it so you only look at mentions from other verified users. So I would just encourage you if you if you can do all you can to get verified on Twitter for that reason. Once you're verified or even if you're not, it's just about seeing the people that would have synergy with what you stand for. So I saw Ava was very pro, very pro-human rights in general, very anti-poverty, which is obviously what we're about. So seeing her constantly sharing about these things and then me engaging in conversation with her often even just having moments of banter with her was just was just amazing because she then through time knew who I was in the midst of her having over a million followers, followed me back um, one day and then I just went in for the kill and dropped her a direct message and then, yeah, the rest is history.
0: That's sick, dude. That's sick. So how much time do you spend on Twitter a week? Probably a bit too much. Um, <laughs> so I like to, especially
1: in, in the mornings and evenings, I spend a bit of time um, yeah, engaging with people, sharing what's happening with my personal life, because I'm understanding more and more that people want to see the, the man or the woman behind the brand just as much as they want to see the brand. Um, so I share a lot about my personal life. And then, as I said, I'll be trying to engage and interact with as many high-level influencers or celebrities as possible. And just it's often just me trying to have some some banter with them me reposting stuff that they're posting so i've got not not a massive amount but i've personally got just over five thousand followers on twitter so it's actually a benefit for me to share the work that they're they're putting out there so as long as i can constantly keep keep doing that and do positive things for them it often turns out that in response i get positive things happen for us yeah that's how it works really
0: that's so cool that's so cool you're such a hustler. I absolutely love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> you also mentioned the, the crowdfunding campaign and you actually crowdfund your new season collections, don't you? Yeah, that's right.
1: So that was actually the first time we've done it. So this is season four. And if I'm honest, like another moment of vulnerability, I was, I've always been so scared of crowdfunding campaigns because I've just been terrified that I publicly tell everyone that I'm after this money. And if I don't get it, it would just damage the brand. Um, so from this, from the get go, I was I was always kind of wary of them. But I saw that we'd built some traction and we we'd done some great things online. So I thought, why not give it a go? And yeah, we crowdfunded our most recent our most recent line.
0: Um, I know one of the things that you did, you were running some Facebook ads, weren't you, to build momentum there and, and to get backers? And did you you were targeting people who liked Indiegogo? Is that right?
1: Yeah. So. I actually took some of the old celebrities and influencers and then I targeted people that liked one of their pages but also liked Indiegogo or Kickstarter and also liked one of the our competitors so someone who liked another watch brand as well so they had to f- fit a quite a stringent criteria but to me that would ensure that they were likely to back what we're doing because they're they're familiar with crowdfunding they're into watches, and they're into one of our celebrities or influencers, um, and that
0: yeah, that proved to be really successful for us. And what was your target with the crowdfunding, and did you hit it?
1: Yeah, so our target was twenty thousand, and we yeah, we overhit. So we hit, I think, twenty two or twenty three grand at the end of it. Nice,
0: nice. I'm curious. This is something that could you know be as as big as you wanted, really, couldn't it? Because you've you've got the you've got the cause there. Like, what's the ultimate vision for Vite?
1: I just want to transform as many lives as possible. So with with Sub-Saharan Africa, it's the only region in the world where poverty has actually increased in the past 25 years. Um, And that coincides with the fact that it's the region in the world with the highest levels of people that do not go to primary school education as well. So understanding that and and hearing that for myself just really pushed me to want to transform lives across Sub-Saharan Africa and really engage with as many causes and charities on the ground
0: out there that I know are are making a tangible impact. That's awesome, dude. That's awesome. Looking back over Vite's time so far, what would you do differently? Um, I guess one of my biggest regrets, if I'm honest, was
1: the actual crowdfunding campaign. So although we overhit our campaign, it wasn't until halfway through when I Religiously started listening to podcasts, which I should have probably listened to before. That I realized that for most successful crowdfunding campaigns, they secure the majority of their backers before the campaign is live. And then from that, they hit their 100% target within a couple of days of going live, which causes them to go viral on social media and on the platforms that they're on. So they'll be top of the listings for Indiegogo or Kickstarter, which then means that they actually end up getting so much more money brought in. So understanding the whole mechanism behind that, and it's it's actually helped me like really grow my email list subsequently and really grow ourselves just as a business in general. But yeah, from the start, if I just understood and knew that, yeah, I believe things would have been a bit differently. I would have probably even launched the whole business with a crowdfunding campaign, but one that was really well worked out as opposed to just, just going for it and then promoting after launching.
0: That's really interesting. I guess the other benefit that you have with crowdfunding is the, I don't want to say charity angle, but the the, the cause angle, isn't it? Because again, going back to USPs, that's something that a lot of crowdfunding campaigns really don't have, and you can play up both the quality and the cause. Exactly. So that, yeah, that
1: really proved beneficial to us. But it's also about understanding that you can have the best quality product, the most phenomenal cause. But if you haven't Thought of the strategy properly. If you haven't put the measures in place to build an email list of one to two thousand before launching the, the crowdfunding campaign, it can still really go belly up. Um, so it's just about doing as much research as possible around that.
0: And how do you build your email list now? So it's all about
1: really engaging content for us. So what we will do is we will create blog articles, awesome video articles where we um interview people as well. Draw as many people to the website as humanly possible through all of that content. And then we've recently devised like the importance of having email pop-ups and sign-ups. So as they're reading the blogs, a pop-up will come. And then at the bottom of the blog article, there'll be the option to sign up as well. So through that, we're able to bring on loads of people to our email list. And one thing I believe more and more is that social media is great, but you do not own social media. You don't really own the data on there. But once you've got someone's data, their email address or their phone number that's just, yeah, that's just, you can't really put a price on that. So I'd really encourage everyone to to really push and hone in on that because with more and more of the algorithm-based stuff happening, especially across Instagram and Facebook, they're genius because they've devised ways that you have to actually pay before you can reach people that have already subscribed to to like and follow you. So it's great for them, but it's not great for us who want to reach the people that have told us they're interested in what we do. Um, So that's why I think email lists are just really important, even in this day and age.
0: It's really interesting to hear you say that because you often hear that from like old school marketers who've built their email lists in the past. But you're so much of the new school with influencers and social and outreach. Even with that, you're still saying email lists don't even start without an email list. That's, That's really interesting.
1: It's really interesting because at the start, I was very... I, I didn't really care about email lists i just i grew we've we've grown our Instagram to like fifty thousand followers now um Twitter's over twenty thousand so I've always been so social media heavy, but it's only recently that I've just been really analyzing everything and just seeing how we just we do get sales from emails. I feel like people are constantly glued to their phone that's why they're constantly on social media, but that also means that they they're constantly receiving communication via emails. So if you can tap into that and, and contact them directly, it's just it's just a phenomenal way of reaching the market. I mean, it's just, it's worked really well for us.
0: That's awesome. Final question. I want to know the William that started Vite. if you go back to him and you say, okay, forget all the rest of it. Here are the things that you should be starting with now. What are those top things that you'd say, these things are going to massively make a difference? So top things, first and foremost, identifying the correct influencers
1: for the business and for the target market you're trying to reach. I think when you first launch enjoy. you just want to give it, oh, this person's got 50,000, I want to give it to them. They've got 30,000 and it's, it's awesome to give it out to loads of people and get awareness. But what I found is that if I can really narrow down on my niche and what my ideal customer looks like, And once I do that and really refine the influencers that I give it to, it's just, it's amazing because now people are approaching me and saying, oh, I saw four or five influencers wearing the watches and that's why I bought the watch. So they're seeing multiple people within a certain niche, they're all wearing the watch. Which draws them to want to to buy it, where opposed to before it was just they may have seen a flash of one random person wearing it, and it's not you don't get any recurrence there you don't it's not constantly and consistently in their faces. So yeah, I would tell the William um, who's just starting out to be very very particular and very niche about the target market, um, and ensure that any influencers that we do approach are very specific to that. Obviously outside of that with celebrities they just they hit such a wide market anyway that that's that's totally fine but when we're talking about social media influencers yeah I would definitely tell the the younger starting out William to do that and also just back to the email list and really building the email list from the start I've started building mobile phone lists as well so building up phone numbers um of people even when we're out and about and we're exhibiting at pop-up shops, I realized that if we can get their mobile numbers and then do great SMS campaigns as well, it actually works out really good for us. Again, it seems very old school, but we've just found that that does get much higher results than just sharing and posting on social media.
0: I know that was final question, but this is final question. And what are you using, <laughs> what, what are you using to manage that SMS uh, email list? So there's there's a... There's a few different softwares online that I
1: use. I can't remember the particular name of the one that I'm using right now, but with that you can actually import from a CSV all the mobile numbers. Um, the the guy in my team that manages it, we pay a monthly fee, and then through through that software, it just sends it all over to them so afterwards I can maybe um, find out what that particular software is if you want to add it into the show notes or anything like that but yeah that's what that's how we do it we literally just upload the csv and we can
0: email mass email a lot of people at the same time awesome William you're a beast you is sick you've done such a good job thank you so much for spending the time to come on our podcast today oh thanks so much for having me mate